Thank you very much for taking the time to watch this short seminar on the shooters and freds of Britain's killer gang, the Military Reaction Force. Thank you very much also to Phil and Fubble for giving me this opportunity to share my latest research with yourselves. My name is Kieran McArch and I'm the founder and manager of a charity called Paper Trail, which offers independent advocacy support and legacy archive research skills to victims and survivors of the conflict in the north of Ireland and beyond. The Military Reaction Force, or MRF, was a covert British military unit deployed on the streets of Belfast by counterinsurgency expert General Sir Frank Kitson when he was brigadier in charge of 39er Portable Brigade covering Belfast and Greater Belfast in 1971. MRF teams then operated in three brigade and eight brigade areas as well. The MRF was formed around a nucleus of British Army specialists garrisoned in Palace Barracks, Hollywood, and was designed to be the cutting edge of Kitson's low-intensity war against the Irish Republican Army, or IRA. Kitson wrote of this battle on 4th of December 1971. It is likely that having found down the enemy organisations to the extent we have done, future successes will be increasingly hard to achieve from an operational point of view, unless we are able to make our own organisation very much more efficient. As you know, we're taking steps to do this in terms of building up and developing the MRF. The MRF's role in simple military terms was twofold. Number one, armed contact or reaction. And two, covert intelligence gathering and agent handling, surveillance and reconnaissance. A specialty of the MRF was turning paramilitaries and using them as double agents. They called these turn terrorists, to borrow their phrase, Freds. The MRF left in its wake, though, a trail of dead civilians and agents. One alleged member told BBC Panorama in 2013, We are not there to act like an army unit. We were there to act like a terror group. Another was quoted by the British States broadcaster that the military reaction force was quite simply a legalised death squad. These are just some of the horrific stories of the shooters and freds of Britain's military reaction force featuring some secret information buried in British archives which will be published here for the first time. Secret British military archives which we discovered and collated over the last decade prove that Britain's military action force was indeed guilty of a catalogue of murders and attempted murders of unarmed civilians including teenagers in Belfast between May and September 1972. The archival evidence accounts for every single one of those listed by the Legacy Investigation Branch of the Police Service of Northern Ireland when it launched Operation Everson, its inquiry into the Military Reaction Force, in December 2015. Paper Trail's six-year investigation even found files naming a number of the MRF shooters. Nevertheless, Paper Trail is investigating many more serious unprovoked attacks on civilians at the same time, which LIB has not included in Operation Everson, including the shooting of several unarmed teenagers shot in separate incidents in North Belfast during the summer of 1972. Our evidence also includes files discovered by our research colleague James Kinchin White which proved that an undercover unit of the King's Own Scottish Borderers, led by Lieutenant Julian Tony Ball, shot the brothers John and Jerry Conway in April 1972. 
To date, the police service in Northern Ireland has failed to arrest any British soldiers operating with the MRF and guilty of shooting civilians in Belfast in 1972. Nevertheless, it has recently sent files on seven British MRF to the Public Prosecution Service. This follows, though, a 48-year campaign by the victims and survivors of the MRF, litigation arising from their campaigns and, of course, a report on the shooters of the MRF by paper trail, which redacted the names of MRF operatives in files which we found. A brief review of just three of the shocking cases we examine in the paper trail report proves that the British military and police knew within minutes that the MRF was involved in each attack and yet subsequent police investigations have yet to even admit this or indeed hold the perpetrators to account. In this first incident, a 15-year-old boy was shot on 7th of May 1972 on his way home from a local disco. A two-car MRF patrol on Glen Road, West Belfast, alleged that they were fired upon, that their cars were hit and an MRF operative was injured. The MRF then claimed two hits in return. Nevertheless, the MRF had actually shot a 15-year-old boy who was admitted to hospital 15 minutes later. The boy had left a local disco and was walking home along the Glen Road when he was shot from a passing car. No intelligence trace, NT in the files, linked the boy to paramilitarism or criminality. He was yet another victim picked at random in the wrong place at the wrong time. The attempted murder of the boy remained unclaimed by the British Army and the press. In the second incident, family man Patrick McVeigh was murdered by the MRF and four unarmed civilians injured minutes after another MRF attempted murder a short distance away. The MRF alleged it returned fire on seven gunmen with three bursts of four submachine gun bullets and six from a 9mm pistol. The MRF unit was not attacked and the victims were not gunmen. The MRF shot four men standing near a junction killing Patrick McVeigh and wounding the others. The unit also shot and injured a fifth man walking on the other side of the street. The British Army admitted no responsibility to the press at the time. Indeed, the local parish priest corrected initial British Army reports in the news that there was a gun battle. Then British Army PR told the media that the attack was an apparently motiveless crime. British military intelligence found no trace NT, linking the deceased to any paramilitarism or criminality whatsoever. Patrick McVeigh was married with six children. Only many weeks later did the RUC admit that the British Army shot all of the victims. The files of the third incident relate to the attempted murder of unarmed civilians at a taxi rank or bus terminus by the Military Reaction Force in June 1972. It involved the second leader of the MRF, Captain James Alistair McGregor, and his sergeant, Clive Graham Williams. A British Army spokesperson originally told the Belfast Telegraph that our men were not involved in this shooting at all. The British Army denials began to unravel within hours and Army PR then told reporters that a group of men standing at the bus terminus opened fire on a British Army mobile patrol wearing plain clothes and on surveillance duty. It claimed that the covert unit returned fire. These were again lies. Four unarmed civilians were hit and lucky to escape with their lives. An infamous court case ensued in May 1973. The MRF shooter was named in court as Sergeant Clive Graham Williams. 
It was subsequently proved that he had fired a non-standard issue Thompson submachine gun, then favoured by the Irish Republican Army at the time. This gun belonged to Captain James Alistair McGregor, leader of the MRF then, who was also in the vehicle. The bullets for the gun came from RUC police stores. Despite the facts of the case, civilian witness testimony and a litany of previous MRF attacks recorded in British military and police logs, charges of unlawful possession against Williams and McGregor were dropped. Williams was then acquitted of attempted murder after a pitifully brief trial. I actually tracked down then retired Brigadier McGregor to his home in Kent and business address in London in 2010, but he never responded to my contact nor wished to engage. I also mapped the MRF shootings in West Belfast, which we proved in archives. The Glen Road and the surrounding locale under two field regiment control was a macabre hunting ground for MRF during two field regiments tour of duty from May to June 1972 especially. But as I say, Paper Trail is examining many more across North Belfast too, which have not been included in Operation Everson. In the meantime, our research of the Operation Everson list of cases exposes not only the modus operandi of Britain's killer gang at a time that our society hoped for peace, but also the continued failure of PSNI's legacy investigation branch to bring the killers to justice. I believe PSNI's Operation Everson was doomed to failure from the start. Not only did the police fail to account for many other alleged shootings of civilians by MRF in the early 70s, but the police also chose to ignore the other main role of the MRF at the time, which led to chronic criminality and a trail of destruction and death. That was the MRF's intelligence gathering operations and its control of agents or threats. Here are the stories of a few of the victims with new incriminating evidence from British military archives, as the victims were all employed by the British Ministry of Defence in one way or another. Now, they were all killed or injured by the Irish Republican Army and the families have yet to receive proper investigation but the families and legal teams may use the new evidence to hold the victims British employers to account for the British may also be in the dock for putting the victims in grave danger at the time. Seamus Wright and Kevin McKee on the left were members of the Irish Republican Army who were turned and operated as Freds which British military sources have recorded as being from the cartoon character Fred Bassett. Seamus was in his mid-twenties and Kevin a teenager of 17. Previous paper trail files show that the British Army referred to them as turned terrorists. New evidence I discovered in British military files and I'm releasing here shows just how sordid our dirty war was. I've redacted addresses and identities of living people. Seamus Wright was arrested on 5th of February 1972 and recruited into the MRF the following day. The file records that he was discharged as unsatisfactory for further MRF use, taken to Birmingham and left there, having allegedly been paid £285 in total. His absence was missed by the IRA though, but it made contact via family members to negotiate his return in exchange for information. So when he came back, he told the IRA what had happened and gave them details of the MRF. This included IRA members he met at Palace Barracks working with the MRF and covert operations that the MRF was running in Belfast such as the Four Square Laundry Operation which ran a dry cleaning collection and delivery service in Belfast. 
the MRF were actually targeting addresses and testing clues for bomb material, as well as gathering intelligence in Irish Catholic areas. How important this operation was to the British Army is recorded in another paper trail find as a most successful intelligence gathering operation, which had provided information which had been responsible for either directly or indirectly over 30% of the arrests of provisional IRA officers in the Andersonstown area. It was incidentally a popular service offering good service at cut rates. The MRF also ran an illegal massage parlour called the Gemini in North Belfast, which dished out its services whilst collecting information from its patrons and no doubt seeking to use it against them. One IRA volunteer that Wright is alleged to have given up was Kevin McKee. In these new files it is recorded that he was recruited as an informer by the King's Own Scottish Borderers or Cosby's on 5th of February 1972 and put back into circulation. He was given the cover name Francis Short. Cosby files from our colleague James Kinchin White show though he was scooped by the Cosby's on 7th of February and gave up a major arms dump within an, around an hour and a quarter. I've redacted the name of the other person lifted with him. Our new evidence records he was then recruited into the MRF the following day and was working directly with the MRF four square laundry operation. The file then alleges that he was almost certainly responsible for blowing the laundry operation to the IRA and may have been personally involved in the murder of Sapper Stewart who was killed on October the 2nd 1972. Sapper Ted Stewart was recruited to the MRF undercover duties directly from the British Army's Royal Engineers. Little did he know that the intelligence gathering operation was compromised many weeks before and the IRA had been watching the MRF's businesses and biding its time to attack. When it did, Sapper Stewart had little time to react and protect himself. He had been left badly exposed by his commanders who following his killing seemed more concerned with the continuation of information and intelligence gathering operations throughout subsequent files in our possession. In the face of media question of this attack and a number of attacks on MRF operations at the same time, the British Ministry of Defence preferred to play down this aspect of the MRF's activities. If the Ministry of Defence was to brush the embarrassing episodes under the carpet though, Sapper Stewart's family would have little hope of a proper investigation. Following these catastrophic intel breaches by the IRA, British military intelligence did try to get its own back. But again, another British soldier was compromised, caught, shot and severely injured. In a world of smoke and mirrors, the case of Ranger Lewis Hammond is still hazy to this day, nearly half a century later. Again, I believe deliberately so, although new documents I publish here may help to clarify the story somewhat. Ranger Hammond was picked up by Twofield Regiment following an MRF shooting of a civilian on 13th of May 1972. Patrick McVeigh had been killed by the MRF close by and a couple of hours earlier. Hammond was absent without leave from the British Army and alleged to have joined the IRA. British Army files record that he was given a choice between court-martial or special duties with the MRF. He chose the latter and was used on Fred patrols, going on patrol with the regular British Army units in West Belfast and helping to finger suspected local IRA. The British military records record that he was retired from special duties and released in London when the MRF was closed down in December 1972. But Ranger Hammond made his way back to Belfast and this is when his story becomes murkier still. 
In April 1973, he gave an interview to the Sunday Times which told about IRA embezzlement of funds and his time with the MRF. In the interview it said he had tried to get word back to the IRA that he was being forced to work with the MRF. It was obvious to the local IRA who had given the interview and Ranger Hammett was picked up in South Belfast. He was beaten and admitted to his MRF activities. The IRA bundled him into a car and shot him in the belly and head. Miraculously, he survived. But he was severely injured. The British military files for his pension request, which I discovered in 2015, show that the British Army and Ministry of Defence politicians discuss that Ranger Hammett was a double agent who went rogue and tried to help the IRA again. A report by the Adjutant General of the British Army, in charge of policies and procedures, show that they did not handle the administration of Hammond and other Freds correctly. They discussed the severely injured Hammond as if he was a traitor to Queen and country who should be given a pension if only he does not go to the press again and divulge British military secrets. New files which I have discovered relate to his compensation claim in 1976 though and throw a lot more light on Ranger Hammond's special duties. A written note from a conversation with the Permanent Secretary, Under Secretary of State for Army from 1973 in this file records Hammond ceased to be a deserter when we apprehended him and used him on special work. As far as he is concerned from then on he obeyed orders given by the army and was not therefore a deserter. This was recognised by the proposed settlement of the financial aspects of the case. These are recorded in a later file too. Ranger Hammond was discharged from the British Army in August 1974 and given a pension and lump sum as well as support for his disability. He was paid as a British soldier until his discharge. These files show that Ranger Hammond returned to Belfast in January 1973 and it was agreed that the AWOL story was a cover at this stage but he was given information to RUC Special Branch. The records allege that his IRA interrogators blamed him for passing information which led to the recovery of 10 rifles by the security forces. It continues, this in fact was true. Which leaves the question as to why Ranger Hammond gave the infamous interview to the Sunday Times. The records show he used his MRF activities as a backstory, but the journalists had used this in the article as well as the embezzlement story. A file from a colleague may throw a light on the whole sordid affair as it records examples of psychological operations run by the British Army at the time. It should be noted that the British Army testified to the Bloody Sunday Inquiry that it ran no such psychological operations in the north of Ireland during the conflict, which of course was fantastical. Here, the top example from hundreds of possible examples I believe is a reference to Ranger Hammond's special duties following the disbandment of the MRF. It refers to a Ranger Horner erroneously who was killed and I have redacted the name of the reporter. Regarding the embezzlement story which did indeed cause major disruption and suspicion within IRA ranks at the time it records, a letter found in the long cache was planted with the name of the reporter redacted of the Sunday Times whose investigations led to the unearthing of IRA funds. The IRA suspected Hoarder, one of their intelligence agents and a former Irish ranger of speaking to the named reporter. He was murdered. I believe then that the embezzlement story was a British psychological operation against the IRA using Ranger Hammond, as has long been suspected. Ranger Hammond was working for the British Army and was paid as such. 
Nevertheless, again, the British Army left him severely exposed and he was lucky to survive the subsequent IRA attack. Sapper Ted Stewart was not so lucky in similar circumstances and left similarly exposed by his commanders. MRF Freds Kevin McKee and Seamus Wright were bundled out of Belfast and subsequently executed by the IRA, even though it's been alleged that they had been promised an amnesty. The IRA then disappeared their bodies and their families had to wait until they were discovered in a shallow grave in Meath in 2015 before they could give them a proper burial. This is the murky world of the MRF and its ancient handling which has never been properly investigated as the British state does not want us to know how it collects intelligence or indeed how its intelligence gathering operations could lead to the death of its own operatives. I believe that the PSNI's Operation Everson is yet another attempt by the British state to manage information and to cover up the true depth of the MRF's murderous activities and negligence. And there's a trail of MRF death and devastation to cover up. Unfortunately, it will be left to the Valiant families and victims and survivors of the MRF to fight against that, just as they have done for the past 48 years. Thank you very much for taking the time to watch this short seminar on the shooters and freds of Britain's military reaction force. And thank you very much to Fela and Fubble for giving me the opportunity to share some of our research. My name is Kieran McArch of Paper Trail. You can carry on with this conversation online via www.papertrail.pro or on social media at Paper Trail Pro. Thank you very much.